Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host Valerie, and sometime co-host Ms. Purrington, and our newest co-host Mookie. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham or on our ComedyWham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, ComedyWham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column Rochelle takes on comedy, and a festivals page, and our FPIA page, which now recaps the 2022 competition and the winner. And of course, we're best known for our events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click submit a show to complete the short survey. Tag us on your Instagram stories and we'll share your show promo. Looking for ways to support all these resources we provide? Well, you can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we are talking to somebody who did our 2020 Isolation Comedy Online shows, where she quickly stood out with her traditional stand-up as well as her sketches. Her Moon Tower bio describes her comedy as encompassing the three bi's, sexual, polar, and chi. <laughs> you do the math on that one and figure it out. Say it in your head. And has been described as too fast, too furious. She has done shows all around town. She was a finalist in the 2022 FPIA contest at Cap City, and I got to see her semifinals set, and it was stunningly good. And I just... I just said the intonation on that as if I would think that that wouldn't be, but that's not what I meant. It was just, it was so good. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Holly Hart. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to tell the audience listening that this is your first ever podcast? This is my first podcast. I've never been on a podcast before. I'm like really nervous. I'm like worried I'm going to burp. I don't know why. Like that's just like a fear I have. Um... I I just, I can't believe that this is your first. This is great. This is a great honor for me. I appreciate that I'm losing my podcast to virginity to someone so kind. And yes, that will be very nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, Holly, thank you so much for making the, the trek out here. Um, I will just uh, get to my opening question. That way we can launch into our conversation. Okay, yeah. uh, you you said that you do listen to this podcast, so you'll have to tell me if you've prepared for this question. Uh, one word to describe your past. Mercurial. <laughs> that sounded very prepared. <laughs> it was prepared. But I mean, I had runner-ups too. I considered disjointed. I considered lucky. Um, but mercurial... I like the sound of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an SAT word, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'll have to ask my, my yeah. teenager. <laughs> yeah, he's taken the SAT twice, actually, in the last month, and he's taking the PSAT. Very topical this week for this household. Yes, it's very topical. Yes, I'll have to ask him if he knows the word. <laughs> um, where did you grow up? I grew up in Corpus Christi, Texas. Ah, okay. Um, I mean, I say Corpus, but I grew up in like a small farm town mm-hmm. near Corpus, Robstown, Texas. Um, yeah. And does did comedy have a role in your life? If you think about growing up and comedy, what what comes to mind? Um, I was like always watching Comedy Central growing up. My dad is a big stand-up fan. He's also like a really funny person. Um And I didn't, I grew up really so far out in the boonies that even though I'm like of the generation where most people grew up with internet access at home, I didn't. Oh, wow. And because of that, like I was really glued to like Comedy Central um, and like Adult Swim and I had to get it through cable, (laughs) like all my comedy. (laughs) Um, I wasn't like watching like Annoying Orange or whatever was trendy with kids (laughs) my age. Yeah. yeah, so was always watching like the little half hour specials. 
Um, yeah, comedy was always really present growing up in my household. Yeah. Did you have any inkling that that might be something you'd want to do down the road? I I don't think so. I mean, maybe I was really into, I was like a theater kid in high school. Okay. I really loved being on stage and performing, and I really was always drawn to more of the comedic roles. Um, but then I think when I went to college, I just really like pushed any inkling of like doing any type of performing like down in a way and I was like no I'm gonna be rich I'm gonna (laughs) do good in school and I'm gonna get a lucrative career Uh um which is so not who I am now and like not uh which is kind of why I chose mercurial because I just feel like there's just been a lot of distinct phases in my life that feel kind of disjointed um, but yeah, I didn't really start thinking about performing comedy until kind of like late in college. And even then, uh, it was because my best friend was dating a local Austin comic mm. and she would like send me clips of him and she was getting really into the scene. She was like going to all these local shows. And when I would come and visit her in Austin, uh, like we would go and see, uh, we would always go to the a very early iteration of Buzzkill at the Buzz Mill. So mm. this is like in 2016. Um, and I remember one time we went and I saw uh, LaShonda was on it <gasps> and uh, oh, some other Austin people. I'm like brain fogging <laughs> right now. But some very like people that I didn't know what a big deal they were. Yeah. But like now I'm like, wow, I'm so fortunate that I got to like see those people. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I was like three years out of even living in Austin. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Hmm. So what, what, uh, what were you s- studying or pursuing when you finished high school that was going to be the lucrative, you know, rich making yeah. Career. Um, I went to Wellesley College and I was just was like, that's it. That's my ticket. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm going to this like, you know, New England institution. Yeah. So I'm going to major in economics. I'm going to work at Goldman Sachs. <laughs> I'm going to be rich. I don't know. <laughs> Which it just makes me laugh now yeah. because now I like work in nonprofits and I've only ever worked in like nonprofits or schools. Uh-huh. And it's like, where, what was I thinking? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I actually want to fast forward to something that has um, an impression that you made on me during those online shows mm-hmm. that I want to share with you. And I don't think I've ever shared this with, with, with you. Um, the first time that Colton booked you on that online show I had not heard of you hmm. up to that point. And, you know, anytime Colton was booking somebody, it's like, okay, well, you know, they're vetted, they're they're good. I was so struck by how everybody in that room loved you. And I'm like, how did I not know about this person? Like, everybody loves her and, and is loving on her. And then your set was really good. And then the other appearances that you did with us, you went more of a sketch route. And I'll never forget you walking through the house in your your uh, ball gown. <laughs> and just really committing to the goofiness of an online show. And I just loved how you, like, committed and you radiated this light. Thank you. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, how, how far into comedy were you when the pandemic hit and what was it that got you into comedy? So my first open mic was August, 2019. So it wasn't a lot of time. No, I think I, I mean, I was, my first open mic was at Love Goat. Um, and like for the first few weeks I was doing comedy, I was only going to Love Goat because it was like on the the weekend. And I, I was a preschool teacher at the time, and I really couldn't justify like going out on weeknights. So it was just love go uh-huh. over and over and over again How for like funny. weeks. Um, and then I eventually started going to like kick putt was another favorite, trying to get on the valve mic and failing a lot of the time. Um, I didn't even start getting really... I'm trying to think of like... My first show that I was booked on, just a tiny little guest spot was 
uh, high tide at kind of tropical, um, which was just oh. like a bar show. Um, I did like six months there. Um, and that was in December of 2019. Okay. And so first time ever booked December, 2019 pandemic starts March, <laughs> 2020. So my, I got like a good six months in, I guess of like doing comedy, yeah. but actually like getting to do shows was not very long huh. before it started. Yeah. But I think I was lucky that a lot of the people I met um, kind of like championed me early on. Like Colton is a great example. Like he saw me do a Cap City mic and like came up to me afterwards and was really interested in like the kind of weirder sexual stuff I was doing <laughs> back then. Um, and it always just, yeah, really helped me get opportunities. Um, yeah, I was lucky that I got to do like a couple of really classic Austin shows like right before the pandemic hit like I got to do like stone versus drunk versus sober mm. before everything shut down and that had been like a show I'd been like obsessed with and I had gotten to do um buzzkill at the buzz mill for the first time which was like really special to me because like I said I had seen it so long ago yeah. and that had been like my first very early introduction to Austin comedy but yeah, it's the timing was really crazy for me yeah. for to have done it for so little, but had like pretty good results in the scene. But then the pandemic and everything that's happened since. Yeah, so. yeah. How did you uh, react to the pandemic at this early in your your comedy career? I mean, I was so annoyed. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, I mean. For me, like I was a, like I said, I was a preschool teacher at the time. So like my day job had very dramatic implications when the pandemic started. And then with comedy, I, I think the thing I became the most upset about was like FPIA not happening. Mm. I'd really been looking forward to that. And I was like, this is going to be where I can prove myself. Uh -huh. <laughs> like so many others before me have been able to do with their first year at FPIA. Um, and obviously that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I was lucky that I got to do some of the, the only Zoom shows I ever did were Comedy Wham Zoom shows. Uh -huh. And yeah, the first time I did it really straightforward. And then the subsequent ones, I was like, I got to make this like more fun for me. Yeah. So I did like, one of them I did like in fully in character the whole time. And I had like this weird story about how... I was committing tax fraud, so I had to perform under a different name. Something so, like, weird. And then the last time I did it, which you were talking about, uh -huh. I did, like, an MTV Cribs. Yeah. But me so and my good. roommates just, like, dirtied our house and, like, put trash all over the place. Um, and we, I had them, like, film me walking through yeah. and, like, this insane, like, red fluffy lingerie ball gown thing i don't know it was so weird but um it was kind of freeing because i think a lot of my stand-up because like i said i hadn't been doing it very long and mm -hmm. my stand-up i you know always been trying to be very like together and people often give me the note that i they can see me like do two sets a night and those sets are going to be exactly the same like mm -hmm. i mean i i don't Obviously, I vary my sets, like, night to night, but if I set out with a plan, I'm pretty certain that's exactly what I'm going to say. Yeah. And I felt like doing the comp, at least back then, but, like, now I look back and that's, like, one of the first times I was able to kind of, like, let loose and be more silly and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad that, you know, double whammy here, first yeah. time podcasting and that we had a good... <laughs> impact on you yeah. <laughs> i was recording with somebody earlier and i said you only did one it's like yep i only did one <laughs> like correct <laughs> it was not good and you know people had such different approaches and relationships mm -hmm. to doing the online shows and uh i was just i was curious because being so early in your comedy career and then you know it's kind of like a sink or swim mm -hmm. and if you wanted to keep doing it then this was just a different avenue and you you that you figured out the formula you wanted to have fun mm -hmm. and whatever it took to do that um you know yeah it, it would it helped um okay so we somehow survive 
the the pandemic and get through it and now we've got such a different comedy mm-hmm. scene and you you observe the comedy scene in 2016 very briefly and then you you enter it in in late 19 early mm-hmm. 20 and then things start opening up um who do you think you are at that time as far as a comic um i think i was like a little more chaotic not as polished for sure i also like it was so confusing because it's like i went from you know this is a very established scene i've gotten a good taste of it Uh i know whose asses need to be kissed (laughs) i know who's important Uh i know who i need to like have reverence towards Mm -hmm. and now all the rules are different and there's a million other people and I'm, like, in a weird position where I'm kind of in this, like, cusp of, like, I knew the old scene, but I wasn't really a part of it. I was just, like, barely, I was, like, a toddler in it, you know? And then now the new scene's coming back, and I don't know any of these people. I barely know the old people, so just crazy timing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did your comedy, did your approach to comedy change? I think it was slow going. I think I did try to kind of make the same sets work, make the same jokes, and then really just, I think when I came back, I struggled with writing a lot more than when I first started. Like when I first started, it was like, I'm writing a new three minutes every single week. I'm never Mm going to repeat the same jokes at Love Goat. Um, (laughs) And then when I came back, I was really couldn't really justify like going when like risk was still high with COVID. And like I said, I was a preschool teacher. Like I can't afford to get sick and put kids at risk. Mm -hmm. And so I was really only doing shows. I wasn't doing mics. And so I feel like that was like a pretty stagnant time for my comedy Mm -hmm. where I wasn't really doing a lot of growth. I was like getting, you know, back into the rhythm but I couldn't really justify mics. I could only justify shows and like outdoor shows, which are a whole different vibe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you gotten back to doing mics? Um, not as much as I want to. That's like a big goal for me moving forward. Um, and I feel hypocritical because I are not hypocritical, but just I go back on. Every couple months, I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm going to be hitting the mic some more. And I haven't been. But I have... I think that's just because I've been struggling with writing new stuff. And now that I'm finally actually writing new stuff, I'm like, okay, now I can go back to mics and... uh, But you co-host one, right? No. Oh, why did I think you did? Okay, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So all of this uh, self-reflection leads up to, and you can tell me that you don't want to talk about this, Mm -hmm. but I think you shared a really, really powerful uh, message. It was on Facebook, Mm -hmm. so you might have limited the audience, but you shared something about like kind of coming to peace with who you were Mm -hmm. after past trauma Yeah, and feeling like you're in the best place, you know, mentally than you've been in a really long time Mm -hmm. and that's um I always try to encourage that when you feel good about yourself that's when you seem to have like this spark Mm -hmm. and you you gain real movement and traction when you're doing comedy Mm -hmm. when you've reached that that point so whether you want to share anything about like what that post shared I'm, I'm interested in the, you know, how has reaching that point in your personal journey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> affected your comedy? Yeah. Well, I will say, I didn't say this a while ago when I was talking about when I first started comedy, but like I said, I started, my first mics were like in August. But, like, I was, like, literally in a mental hospital in July. So, like, the timing of it was, like... (laughs) (laughs) So, like, uh, 
I was uh, committed. <laughs> and then when I got out, I was like, I need something to focus my attention on. And so that was yeah. also a big reason I was like only going to love God is because I was in outpatient therapy <laughs> four nights a week. Um, so kind of tied my hands. Um, but yeah. And so like, I think my mental health journey um, is like completely linked to how I think about comedy because I really did start doing comedy when I had just come out of really the lowest period of my life Mm -hmm. that had like culminated in being hospitalized. Um, and then kind of, I feel like my growth with comedy has parallel growth with myself and feeling more comfortable with myself. Um, and I think that shows in my comedy because I think when I started, uh, I would, not speak very kindly about myself and Mm. like the way I like I always was just punching down on myself like I mean my comedy is really personal it always has been I only talk about myself Mm -hmm. um I don't really have any observations you know it's just (laughs) telling stories about myself but I think when I first started those stories were like mean like I was like mean to myself And now I don't feel like that. And, like, I don't do, like, fat jokes anymore. I don't really, like, talk about deserving, like, mistreatment by men or any Mm. of those themes are, like, not in my work anymore. And I think uh, that's just directly related to um, being in a better place mentally. Yeah, yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah. For... I hope somebody listening, you know, absorbs that. Yeah. Because uh, it is, is really important. There's, you know, it's a trope that yeah, comics it feels so hate cliche. themselves yeah. and <laughs> until they stop. Yeah. You know, it's it's a different different path. Mm-hmm. And, and once they do, um, it's much better. And I would like to applaud you because I saw your semifinals FPIA mm-hmm. set and I was blown away. Thank I you. thought, wow. And I was kind of surprised you didn't advance, but you know, it's always I appreciate like that. that. <laughs> yeah, it always is. You know, it's it's almost more fun to be the person where they're saying like, "Oh, you deserved it," than being a person where they're like, "That guy, like, what the hell?" You know. Yeah, it only fuels me, you know, yeah. to be able to be like, "Oh yeah, well, next year." Yeah. <laughs> well, and technically, this was your first year. Yeah, you, for you sure. You made it to the semis, and mm-hmm. that was just such a rock solid set. Thank you. Yeah, I was very, very impressed by yeah. you know after having seen you as the beauty queen walking through yeah. your, <laughs> your house and uh, stand up from your from your, I think, think you were on a couch. I visualize these things instead of yeah uh, moving on and. <laughs> capturing different memories uh just to see your like your confidence on stage and it was just it was awesome thank you how did you feel about um going through the contest for the for the first year after you know the near miss of of 2020 yeah I really had no idea what to expect I mean it's also like a new uh, facility. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been fortunate that I got to perform at Cap City one time before the competition where I, when I hosted for Avery Moore, um, for her many time rescheduled (laughs) uh, headline (laughs) you set there. Uh, So I was like familiar, at least like with where the light is going to be coming from and everything. But I went first on my prelim and semifinal round, which is mm. always kind of like nerve wracking. Yeah. But I felt really good about it. And I really had just told myself, like, it's just like, I just want to advance one time. Like, just to get to the semifinals yeah. would feel so good and like feel like validating and kind of give like that stamp of like outside approval because I like really suffer from imposter syndrome and I'm always like I'm and you know because there's always those whispers people are like oh like you know women get booked faster and it doesn't matter if you know they're good because you have to have a girl on your show now or whatever oh my god and I I mean I don't believe that (laughs) but uh undeniably I am like kind of early in my comedy career 
But anyways, it just felt good to like have like that kind of outside validation and yeah, it just felt great both times. And yeah, I didn't advance in the second time, but I felt really good about that set. And I think it's paid dividends because like I've gone to host for people at Cap City since then. And I think that actually going first at the competition kind of like proved that I can like warm up a crowd, mm-hmm. even if it didn't, you know, helping advance. And uh, I think that's like what Chandy got to see those yeah. nights. And yeah. Yeah, definitely pays off. Mm-hmm. And speaking of outside validation, you also got picked for Moon Tower. That's so true. that's yeah. kind of a big deal. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that was so crazy and just like something I would have, I really like always knew it's something I wanted to do and like thought about and dreamed about. I did not think I was going to get it that like first year. I mean, I guess it was the second time they had it back because they had kind of like the little version in like 2021. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just really wasn't expecting it and it was so great and fun and I'm really bad at networking, but I still tried. <laughs> but yeah. So what shows did you get to do at Moon Tower? I got to do three shows. I hosted um, one of the like queer comedy showcases. And that was probably like one of the best sets of my life. Like probably mm. in like the top five for sure. Wow. And it was such like a warm, fun crowd. And I think that's true for like a lot of like queer lgbt showcases that like the audience is there to have fun and they i don't know i just really love performing in queer spaces every time i get booked on a queer lineup i am so looking forward to it Mm. um and then i was on the home base show at valve which had like featured a lot of like local people Mm. And then I did the JFL audition show. Obviously did not um, get chosen, but it was still so fun to do. Yeah, that's a a rinse and repeat. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, You're you're so early in your career, and I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to like an ace here because you've gotten Moon Tower. Yeah. You've advanced in FPIA. Um, But I'm going to talk about something that I'm jealous that you you did, Mm -hmm. and that is your heart-to-heart. Oh, show. I yeah, never got to see you. it, but I'm like, oh man, that would be so cool to do a little talk show yeah. in a small block, black box theater. And um, when did that idea come up for you? When things started kind of like gearing back up fully. Uh, I mean, it feels weird saying post pandemic. Like I'm getting a booster shot tomorrow, so it's not really post pandemic. <laughs> yeah. But like when Fallout, especially, has always been a space I really have loved performing in and watching um whether it be stand-up or improv or sketch I, I just like hanging out there yeah. I like a lot of the people that are in that space I think they represent my favorite parts of comedy and it's like very collaborative and just like friendly and supportive I just like get great vibes from the space yeah. and they started like looking for show pitches um And I was like, I feel like I would love to do kind of like a weird, like, cult of personality, (laughs) like, stand-up show. Um, And I wouldn't want it. I had all these grand ideas. And I was (laughs) able to do them, but the reason the show was short-lived was because it was so. uh, It took a lot. It took a lot of work. But the structure of Heart to Heart was that, like, it was, like, four comics um, at Fallout and they would do their set, kind of shorter sets, like six or eight minutes. And then I would interview them at this kind of like living room set we had built. Like I put curtains on the stage oh and like a little table and like uh, two armchairs that we had to bring from my house. Oh my God. We put a rug on stage. We had like a full wow. little set. And I would just ask them like really bizarre questions that I like had so much fun writing and I would have like weird audience participation like I would this is an example like when Hunter Duncan was on I had uh like a box with a question and it put under a chair in the audience 
And when the audience, I was like, everyone look under your chair. Like someone's going to get the chance to ask a question. And they like pull out the card. And it was like, uh, first of all, Holly, you are so pretty. How do you do it? And my question for Hunter is, who's your favorite war criminal? And it's just like stupid stuff like that. Like just the most bizarre getting to know you questions, which is like all those questions I already kind of had in my back pocket because I have like a lot of social anxiety. And when I would like meet new people, if I couldn't get the conversation going, I would just say weird questions. I'd be like, so who's your favorite Spice Girl? And just like (laughs) weird stuff like that. Um or, like, what's the worst present you ever got as a child? Like, just questions out of nowhere. Uh-huh. And some of it's because, like, I did, like, student life in college. And, like, icebreakers are, like, our bread and butter. Uh-huh. And so just a combination of, like, all those icebreakers from college and having social anxiety and just, like, talking to people at parties with in weird question form, like, came together for this show um and it was like a six month run it was really fun it was just a lot of work and I didn't really know how to produce a show um I would say like I'm a good host of a show I don't think I'm a great producer Mm -hmm. yet that is something I want to get better at but yeah so uh the six month run wrapped up and how how have you wanted to fill your time I mean, I do want to, after that, I have had two other kind of short-lived shows I produced. One of them was with Andrew Wagner called Family Dinner. And the concept was that we would make comics make a potluck (laughs) dish to serve to us and the audience. Um, We did that one time at Creek. I couldn't even go to it. Like, we had prepped for a long time, but then I had a miss because I was at a funeral. Oh, my God. And so Andrew, last minute, had hosted himself. And we had, like, made this, like, corny, like, family green screen, uh, like, projection slideshow Uh of these vacations, quote, unquote, we had gone on together. And we had put in all this work, and then I didn't even get to go. And then Creek didn't want to pick it up, and that's fine. (laughs) Uh, and then I did a show with Kat Swatner called Truth or Dare. Oh, yeah. And that one was really fun. And I still really think that show has legs. It was just kind of like a scheduling mm-hmm. issue that it does not not exist anymore. But that concept was like me and Kat go up top and do weird truth or dare kind of pranks with each other like the first one i cracked an egg on my head just like in the middle of stage and it was really nasty honestly uh and then comics come up they do a little set and then we play truth or dare with them and we like wax dean stanfield's nipple and we made lucas mccurry take off his sock with his mouth um but they couldn't and so dean like came back on stage and took Lucas's sock off with his mouth and it was just a really wild time yeah. it was really fun and yeah so I've had some short-lived all very high concept yeah. shows and I think like at this point in my life I just need to accept that I should just run like a nice local showcase no, like once a month <laughs> no I need to set myself free from <laughs> themes and high concept no I mean Raymond Cabrera that's like his sole existence yeah. it seems is come up with some new concept every other day yeah. <laughs> some stick some don't right. but you're still out there yeah <laughs> I mean what would you have more fun with the high concept and all of its ups and downs but I need something with staying power is the thing I <laughs> I feel like I've had a lot of short-lived high concept and I just want like a consistent thing because like you're saying like I don't host anything I don't host a mic or any shows and that is also like a kind of a goal for the new year Uh, as well as like going to more mics and like touring I think I want to try to host a mic just as a way to force myself to do mics Uh, yeah Uh, but yeah that's the age-old formula that's how uh, you know the the young kids, yeah. you know, when they're not getting booked on shows in their first six months, mm-hmm. which is 
FYI, ludicrous concept. Yeah. They'll just create an open mic because that's how they'll get stage time. Right. And sometimes that works. Sometimes yeah. it, it doesn't. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's one way. You can bring that love goat mic back, although it's not love goat anymore. I'm, I'm never <laughs> over there. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even think about that. I probably like put up my hand to block my vision when I drive <laughs> by that strip of the drag <laughs> yeah i drove by recently and i'm like is that still a love goat and i saw it was it was a different name and i'm like yeah. man good memories there because mm-hmm. i used to do mics yeah and hands down that was always my favorite one just because it was just so painful yeah to get so through. chaotic <laughs> yeah and, and chaotic. I'm like, no no never an audience never never guaranteed there wasn't room for an audience with all the yeah. comics standing in that little space Mm-hmm. If someone would have come in, they would have just like turned around and been like, there's too many people here. And there's like a weirdo on, on the stage. Like, yeah. I don't want to be here. <laughs> uh, Holly, have you done sketch and improv? Uh, I just finished my first sketch show. Uh, I didn't write, but I performed in it at fallout. Um, it was directed and written by Doug Hines, who also ah. does uh, stand up and then John Darty, who is just an uh, improv and sketch person at Fallout, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, and that was really fun. It was called Into the Metaverse and it was like mm-hmm. weird technology sketches. It was really fun because it was like acting, which I really liked doing when I was younger. Um, and like there's costumes and it's all that like high concept stuff that I keep trying and yeah. failing to bring to stand up. <laughs> Uh, and then improv, I just finished taking a level two improv uh, class. Um, and I really like taking it and I think I'll continue. I'm really trying to like get more comfortable deviating from the plan on stage with stand up, And so improv seemed like a way to try to practice that skill. Yeah. Um, so far, not really having <laughs> any transference, but I really like performing improv and I think that is something I want to. Yeah do more i intend to keep taking classes and like cold it's like an exciting time in the improv community in austin because cold town just got a physical space that they're about to open um we've missed them so Mm -hmm. yeah well you know what they say about people that do the three arts the stand-up the they say they're annoying no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're like the vegan uh, <laughs> cousin that you don't want to talk to. <laughs> yeah. No, they everything that they learn in one area yeah. benefits the other areas. Mm-hmm. And man, you're already a solid enough stand up that you. Yeah. you know. I'm not sure what you're gonna learn to make better at stand up, but you know, it's all gonna mm-hmm. gonna work together to just make you even more powerful. Mm. Can you sit in that compliment? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. I actually have been so, like, I, I'm not to do my own horn. I feel like I am pretty good at improv. I mean, I'm only uh-huh. level two, but <laughs> it's been way easier for me to accept compliments, like, about my improv than it has been for stand-up. And I think it's because, like, when someone's complimenting your, like, your improv, they're complimenting, like, your ability to, like, be a team player yeah. and, like you know, have good, like, instincts. I don't know. I think all of those disciplines are super different skill sets. Um, I think improv is probably helping me, like, host for Mm stand-up more because it's just, like, that's a time when you need to be a little more looser and kind of feel out an audience more. Uh, I don't really know if Sketch has had any (laughs) transferable skills yet, but it's just, like, injecting a lot more joy into how I think about Mm. comedy again and I really just yeah enjoy the collaborative nature and it's been really fun yeah what's your your favorite thing about performing in any of the three areas I think just like the adrenaline rush Mm. of like really connecting with an audience and yeah I, I like I had I was really fortunate I got to host for Kyle Kinane uh, this weekend, like yeah. literally like yesterday. And that was like such a dream come true and getting to feel like I was doing a good job there and like hosting and just like connecting with the crowd on random stuff and kind of like writing in little changes to my jokes to make them like more domain centric <laughs> uh, since Capsie's in the domain now. Yeah. I don't know. I just think the most rewarding part is just 
laughter, like hearing laughs, um, hearing like, especially when there's like a moment where someone has like a distinct laugh and you keep hearing it. And you're like, man, I'm really connecting with this, like, uh-huh. weirdo with this fucked up laugh. <laughs> that's such a very specific thing. <laughs> I think that you're the first person that's ever. Sometimes the laugh like really sticks out in an yeah. audience. And it just makes me so happy. Because it really, like, makes you remember that, like, you know, it's easy to just see the crowd and, like, talk about a crowd is just like this collective mass, but mm-hmm. it's just like made up of individuals that are, you know, varying levels of enjoying you. And yeah. sometimes just a weird, snorty, cackly laugh is a good reminder of that. <laughs> Hooray to the snorty, cackly yeah. laugh. <laughs> well, we're more than halfway in, but we're going to do our little intermission okay, cool. with these open-ended question cards. Mm-hmm. So you pick one and read it and answer it, and then I'll take the okay. other one. Oh, this is, uh, is going to end up being kind of negative. Oh. It said, I felt incredibly jealous when oh. dot, dot, dot. Ooh. Um, I think... I have been good about not being a hater in general. <laughs> That's something like I try not to like give a lot of uh, like time to in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, jealousy is a disease. Get well, bitch. Um, <laughs> but time when I felt incredibly jealous. I feel like this is a really toxic question. <laughs> There's no way for me to answer this without seeming like just like just so vindictive and Do you want terrible. To take the other one? I am. Okay. Let's see. I felt lonely. Oh no! <laughs> I'm not sure that's an improvement. <laughs> well, I mean, I I will take this one. Okay. I guess I'll take. I'm going to take the other one. Okay. okay. I have okay. no problem. Good. Uh, we cheated a little bit with this game. Okay, I felt lonely when... I felt lonely, I think, just, like, when I was first starting out in stand-up, like, everyone's, like, pretty nice to you, but, you know, there's not the... You have to build into that camaraderie. Like, Mm -hmm. people are gonna, you know, say, like, oh, good style, like, I haven't seen you before, but there's not really... You have to, like, wait so long for, like, people to accept you and, like, be your actual, like, friend or even peer, and I think I felt really lonely that... Like, I was just starting to get to the point where I felt like I could, like, say hello to people oh. and, like, approach them when the pandemic started. And then I, he was in that weird kind of position where it's like, yeah, these people are, like, my friends, but I'm not going to hang out with them in a pandemic. And so I was just, and I guess this is also a jealousy one. <laughs> I would just, like, see all, of, like, the local comics hanging out on, like, Instagram stories and mm. I'd be like... Damn, I bet if I had gotten like two more months with these people, I'd be right there with <laughs> yeah. them flowing the river or whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I just, the timing was uh, very, I mean, obviously the pandemic was isolating for everyone, but yeah. I hadn't like, my roots hadn't dug deep enough with the Austin comedy scene to like have that survive during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough for. For everyone, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, I feel incredibly jealous when uh, somebody keeps posting their shows on Do 512 and they don't post on our Oh, dang. Page. That's a call out. <laughs> so anybody listening, please post on And I will say, your process much more streamlined than Do 512. Oh my God, when I was hosting shows... Mm-hmm. Oh my God, the emails, then I'd have to write, oh, this is a typo or a lineup change yeah. or whatever. I mean, who does email? I to know. It's, I'm like, this, y'all, y'all make it harder on yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> now, we don't make any advertising money like do 512. So, yeah. you know, everybody does that hustle mm-hmm. because, you know, there's money there. Yeah. You know, there's no money in company. <laughs> where it's just our selfless giving. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, Damn it, I'm mad at myself because this question made me forget something I was going to ask you. And now I have to think about it. Oh, crap. Uh, maybe it'll come to me. Because there was, there was something that you were... Uh, oh, okay, now I remember. All right, so now that the world has reopened up in, in Austin comedy, what are your kind of a newbie but 
kind of observed the scene. What are your observations about this weird melting pot of an Austin comedy scene that we have now? Yeah. So like I said, I'm kind of like on, I would say I'm on the cusp Mm -hmm. uh, of like old scene, new scene. And I think, I think like as time is going on, like those divisions are becoming less and less. Mm -hmm. Like I think when it, everything first started to open up, there were definitely like venues and like shows that felt so distinctly old scene, new scene. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like really started to go away. And I think FBIA kind of like offered an opportunity where like everyone was seeing people that maybe they've never gotten the chance to see. They've just seen this name around, but never really gotten to see them actually do stand up. Um, I think there is kind of like a more hustle mindset with the newer scene, which mm-hmm. is great and more power to you because I feel like everyone I know from the new scene is just like constantly out there. They're at the mics, they're putting in the work and I do not have <laughs> the energy. <laughs> And maybe that's just, like, being a newer, new... Like, when I first started, after I got through just doing, like, the weekly Love Goat mic, like, I was going out, like, three to four times a week and doing multiple mics every night that I went out. And then now, like I said, like, I honestly... I'm, like, ashamed of how little I go to mics. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I think there's just, like... There's such a... I think the uniting factor between both scenes is like a real like do it like a DIY mentality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just like uh, something that's always been in Austin, like the spirit of like house shows or like doing shows at places that it does not seem like there should be a show here. Like that just feels like a unifying concept. Yeah. Yeah, It's a very, if it feels like it's uh, becoming a much more LA and New York type of scene where, you know, you've got the bodega comic shows now. And I've been paid (laughs) with a Reuben sandwich now. So that's a, that's a check off the the bucket list. (laughs) Yeah. And the, I know the, well, the barbershop show that's been around, you know, before the pandemic, but you know, now that just feels very on brand for post pandemic, Mm -hmm. you know, let's pick a crazy venue um, to, to perform at. Uh, are you still teaching preschool? No, now I work. I work in nonprofits okay. now. I got out of teaching in like, uh, I think like late twenty twenty. So mm-hmm. I did like six months of teaching, like in a masked preschool, mm-hmm. and then I I now work in like nonprofits. Oh. So so a little more time to to go out for maybe? sure, for sure. <laughs> and now that I feel settled with like my new job, and also just like mental health wise I feel a lot better um I mean I'm always gonna have excuses I'm always gonna be like well I didn't really play with my dog that much today she's probably gonna be really sad Uh if I go to Mike's um which is like a made-up thing I always am blaming my dog to get out of stuff and like projecting human emotions on her I'm like my dog's gonna be so depressed if I don't go and spend the rest of the day at home instead of working in the office um I don't even remember what the question was. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not a preschool teacher anymore. Uh, I think going back to my past word, mercurial, Uh um, I think, like, because I was, like, in grad school, and then I dropped out, and then I was a preschool teacher, and then I quit that, and, like, now I, like, work in nonprofits, and, yeah, it's just been kind of like a disconjointed like path to get Mm -hmm. to where I am right now both like professionally and with comedy but it feels good and like steady finally it feels like it's been working up to like things feeling like good and constant I feel like I'm in a good place now yeah um yeah and I know you just got the Cap City um hosting this weekend are you are you on the radar for for another one I don't they told you I mean, what's great is, like, because of FPIA, like, they all got to see a lot of 
new people and a lot of my friends are doing like their first ever mm. especially kind of like the quote-unquote new scene people like uh, Mimi Myers is someone I really think is so funny and she just had her first hosting gig there um Kat Swatner is going to be on her first showcase at Cap City soon and I'm like so excited for them but it's like obviously like as the list of people that they're booking grows like they're yeah. gonna work through people <laughs> That's true. uh slower but I've been fortunate like I said I got to host for Avery Moore I hosted for Adam Carolla um when he was in town oh, um that's cool I hosted like their local dirty show showcase that they did that was just like local comics at cap yeah they just started oh. doing local showcases well I've, I've known that but i didn't realize they were doing a dirty they did a dirty they show. did a dirty show ah. up in the red room like a weekend or two ago that was really oh, fun really rowdy cool. people were going crazy in that crowd like <laughs> i had to like break up a couple like groping <laughs> themselves to like try to wiggle back to the stage oh like because they're like standing directly <laughs> in this super small space that i have to you know, shimmy on through to like mm-hmm. bring up the next comic. Um, and then, yeah, and then I got to host for Kyle Kinane. So um, I'm getting good work there, which yeah. is awesome. And I just really, everyone that works there is so nice. Another place that just has really great energy. If you believe in like auras, I feel like Cap City <laughs> has just an aura of like bright yeah. pink. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that they have now the permanent second stage because yeah. at the old venue you know they couldn't do mm-hmm. dual shows and now they For can sure. so that opens up way more opportunities mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm excited that they they decided to go that route me too uh with that um have you have you got, done any other festivals or are you a, a festival applier type of person i have started applying to more festivals for me it's like a lot of the festivals that are at the level where they take open submissions and would take someone as like green as me with not a lot to say for myself you've got moon tower <laughs> i know but <laughs> but he would still when just like cold applying to stuff like those types of festivals usually cannot provide any type of like lodging oh, yeah. or even no. very much pay per show mm. and just like my own personal finances i'm only Huh. Just the two man horn. I am set on a path to get out of credit card debt by the end of this year. And then I feel like next year it's going to be time to get some more credit card debt so I can go to do some festivals. But I am trying to apply more. Um, I'm always trying to do more. Uh, but I just feel so, I feel really good about like the local opportunities I get. But yeah, I'm really. Like, a goal for the next year, I, like, definitely want to spend some time in New York. And, like, now that I have the flexibility to, like, work remote, like, the dream is Mm. to, like, you know, get, like, a cheap, disgusting Airbnb for, like, three weeks and, like, work and do mics there at night. And, yeah. That's a cool goal. Yeah. That's, like, what I'm trying to save up for. And you didn't say L.A. So do you have a distinct preference for New York over L.A.? I have just heard so many, I don't want to say horror stories, but like people talking about like, yeah, like I went out to L.A. and I did all these shows and the audiences are so like, like harder and like you'll watch like a big name bomb right before you and you're like, if that guy bombed, how am I going to do good? And I'm like, that sounds so scary. I'm not going to spend that much money to be anxious about it. Um, and I just also like, like, like I said, like I went to college on the East coast. So, uh, I have some friends that live in New York. So it just seems like a more, if I have to choose between the two, it feels like the more logical choice. Yeah. I'm not trying to be anti-LA. Like, I've literally <laughs> never been there. Like, I've spent no time there, but... I mean, if you can yeah. couch surf, then that's, yeah. a, that's a good deal. And you I do... need more of my friends here to move out to LA, uh, they... get couches, <laughs> and then I'll go to LA. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Um, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want people to know about you? Um, I'm really nice. She is really um, nice. I'm just shy. I'm like really, <laughs> I've been struggling with being a shy person in comedy. Especially that's something that I think was like something I struggled with. Uh, kind of when things started opening back up. If like, because I am, like I said, kind of shy and I struggle like with approaching people. Um, I was always worried that I was like, 
giving off like a hoity-toity attitude or seeing seeming standoffish especially with like new scene people i'm like i don't want to be the reason they say that like the old scene is like mm. you know clicky or rude i'm yeah. like i just literally have so much anxiety <laughs> <laughs> i cannot say hello to a stranger <laughs> Um, it's funny, every once in a while, uh, I, I will talk to somebody where fashion and how they present themselves is like a whole element to them. And that is one thing that I've, I've been struck by you. Hmm. Um, I remember that that first time you did the online show, everybody that hopped on was like, oh, you changed your hair, you changed the color, oh, yeah. and you've done that. And here you walk in and you've got this like really gorgeous, like yellow, I don't know, is it yellow or green? It's like What's, a greenish okay. yellow. It's kind of like a, like Gatorade. You can't really tell <laughs> what that lemon lime flavor color wise is. Just like, it's hard to describe. Yeah. And I think, Probably on FPIA Semi's night that I saw you. It was it pink. Was pink. Then, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of funny. Like, how do you use the fashion and the hair to uh, convey who you are? Especially since you're telling me I'm really shy, and it's like yeah. these are bold statements. I've always like really loved fashion, um, but like I think like because uh, like I lost like 45 pounds in like the last like year and a half. And I think when I was in a slightly bigger body, I had struggled dressing because I like felt self-conscious and I didn't mm-hmm. want to draw too much attention to myself. Um, but now I like am finding like renewed joy in like fashion and like dressing and I like really enjoy like getting dressed up for a show and thinking about and I think some of it is, like, being, like, a woman with, like, tattoos and facial piercings and colored hair. It's, like, I know that it's, like, really easy for an audience to, like, make assumptions and, like, mm-hmm. project things onto me because I do have, like, a very specific look. Um, and so I think, like, with the clothing choices I, like, employ, I can either, like, uh kind of lean into that harder or I can kind of defy it like I've been really into dressing kind of like with like a little bit of a southern flair Hmm. lately and I think like I've been wearing like like I think I wore a bolo tie on my FPIA (laughs) semis night and then when I hosted for Kyle one night I wore like a little bandana kerchief around my neck and I've been wearing this like kind of 80s inspired jean jacket a lot but uh yeah I just think it's just another because I don't have the benefit of a lot of, I you know, male comedians where they can just wear a black t-shirt, jeans, walk on stage, and they're, like, perceived as just neutral. Like, yeah. they're just, like, kind of, like, in like, if you were just to, like, picture a comedian, just, like, you had to invent what one looks like uh-huh. in your brain, you're just, like, this guy. And I think because, you know, I'm a woman, I'm chubby, I have lots of tattoos and everything... Like, I might as well, like, have fun with it. And uh, and sometimes I'll, like, change up how I say a joke depending on the outfit I'm wearing. Like, there's a part... Like, sometimes I say I look like Joe Exotic in this one <laughs> joke. And then sometimes I say something else. I don't remember. But, uh-huh. yeah, I, like... It just, like, is another thing to toy with. And, like... Also, it can also just be another chance for, like, comedic misdirection. Um... Because I have a joke right now where I talk about, like, my preference in dating is, like, dating rednecks. And, like, I don't really look like that would be what I am going to say. And so Uh it's just, like, another way to kind of, like, toy with the audience's perception and expectations. Yeah. That's very smart. Yeah. Very smart. And your jokes are are very smart. Thank you. (laughs) One thing I I found. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Uh, are are you are you giving yourself a chance to do another uh, high concept show in the next year or so? Do you think? I definitely feel like I'm really on the cusp of wanting to do a new show. Like I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I do want to maybe pitch at the new Cold Town location if they're like going to be open to pitches. I might try to do something. I might even, I've been talking about maybe even doing my own sketch show after like having so much fun with the sketch show. So I'm really on like the cusp right now with that of 
I would like to do another high concept thing. I would like to just bring back truth or dare, bring back heart to heart and just like have more sense to like have more collaborators. So it's not just all me and like having like a legit producer help me. Um, But I think I like kind of, I've been so fortunate to get really great opportunities like very early in my career But at this point, I feel like I need to really force myself to, like, go back to basics and Mm. just, like, focus on going to mics and, like, just writing more and, like, fleshing out concepts that I've abandoned. And, yeah, I think I just need to, like, take a few steps back. Yeah. That'll help you with that credit card debt. Yeah, true, true, true. the mics. (laughs) All right. Well, you knew the time was coming. Mm -hmm. Have you, did you prepare for it? Yes. <laughs> okay. One word to describe your future. Fulfilling. <laughs> uh, oh, there he is. Hello. Kitty. Sunning outside. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents Holly Hart. Tell us where we can find you on social media and promote whatever you want to promote. You can find me uh, on all of them at Holly Hart ATX. Very good. And that's A-R-T. Mm-hmm. H with art. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Brand. When you do merch, you could do H with art. That's another next step, some merch. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Holly got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham Presents Holly Hart. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Holly. Thank you. And congratulations on your first podcast. Thanks so much. <laughs>